It's always good to know that we can come together even when we're not in the same room. Uh, it's so good to, to be together this morning. You know, uncertainty has characterized this past week from the stock market to which events will be canceled, to school closings, even here at Grace. Should we have services? Should we not? If we do, are we communicating? We don't care about people and their health. If we don't, are we giving in to fear? How will this affect our finances? What about another, other events or activities that fall under the 250 person threshold? We live every day with uncertainty, but when something like a virus hits or a natural disaster strikes, the uncertainty can go through the roof. Living in an uncertain world drives us to desire a very basic need, security. This morning, we're taking a one-week break from Romans to talk about this basic need for security and how God meets that need. Everywhere we look, we run into security issues. Our homes have alarm systems. Our cars have alarms. There are guard dogs, metal detectors, and armed guards in our airports. And now even cybersecurity is at a fever pitch as some try to invade our most private information. In some people's quest for security, they have built panic rooms. In the movie Panic Room starring Jodie Foster, the storyline goes like this. An intruder breaks into her home and she finds security in a panic room, a room that is safe and secure from an intruder. But what do we do if the panic cannot be eliminated by simply locking yourself away? Recently, people have been putting their hope in two very unlikely objects, the television and toilet paper. Some are glued to the TV, hoping there will be breaking news signaling relief in the stock market slide, a cure for the virus, or news that we were on the downside of the virus. And then toilet paper, never mind. You see, uncertainty and insecurity isn't new. It could be traced back to the first family and traced throughout history. God knows the uncertainty that we face. In fact, he addresses the need for, for the certainty in the midst of uncertain times. In fact, the writer in Proverbs, verse 22, verse 3 says, A prudent man seeks danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. In God, all our needs are met. In fact, the Bible says he will not forsake us in our time of need. His character meets the needs. The psalmist in Psalm 9, 9 says, The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name will trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. He writes later in Psalm 46, 1 through 3, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea or a virus spreads throughout the city. Now, he didn't say the virus thing, but the principle is there. He says, let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. God knows we need a hiding place, a shelter, a refuge. The idea came right from his heart. How many of you would really appreciate a refuge today from the stress, the pressure, the anxiety, the grief over a recent loss of a loved one or pressure to, for the trouble that is in your life? I think a whole bunch of people today would say, you know what, I need that. I know I do. 
The Bible says those of us who are in Christ, we have an area, we have a refuge, we have a panic room, and we can retreat to when we face those uncertain times. Ever had a nightmare about being chased? Someone grabbing hold of you by the back of the neck and then just when something awful is going to happen, you wake up and you're in a cold sweat and you're so glad that was just a dream? Well, in the ancient times, there was a good deal of running and chasing going on, only it wasn't the kind that happens in a dream. You see, populations were spread out when societies were not yet well organized and where judicial systems were few and far between, people kept law and order by a very aggressive form of tribal crime and punishment. When the loss of life at the hands of someone else happened, your family would call a meeting and appoint what was called a blood avenger, a representative from your family who would find out who killed your family member. They would track down the killer and wait for that person to get in the open and he'd make a formal announcement. You killed my father from this family. I have been appointed as the blood avenger. I'm going to chase you down. I'm going to grab a hold of you if it takes me a week, a month, or a year, and I'm going to kill you. And then the chase would begin. The person who was felt to be responsible for the crime would take off and the blood avenger would stay hot on his heels until he actually tracked him down and killed him. You may be thinking, that's so crude. You're right. A problem arose with this system of justice. There was no provision for accidental homicides, no provision for unintentional killings or deaths. For instance, let's say a woman was in a hurry to go to the market and she jumps on her horse and took off and a five-year-old neighbor kid accidentally steps out in the path of the horse and the horse knocked the little kid down and the child hit his head against the rock and died. The housewife, of course, would feel terrible. She didn't intend for that to happen. As a result, the child's family would call a meeting and they would appoint a blood avenger with very clear and deep orders, find that horse-riding housewife, announce and chase her down and kill her. Some of you are thinking right now, that's not a good system. That's not fair. It wasn't. But nobody had an idea or a, to, how to a, improve the system, so the system went on. But God had the solution. God commanded for people to adjust the system. The books of Exodus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, and Joshua, Joshua gives us the plan. In fact, in one passage it says, Tell the Israelites to designate the cities of refuge as I instructed you through Moses, so that anyone who kills a person accidentally and unintentionally may flee there and find protection from the avenger of blood. You see, great detail was put in place. There were paths uh, that needed to be well marked saying, this is the way to the city of refuge. You could almost say that was the beginning of mile markers. Uh, they were to let you know how close you were in getting to the city of refuge. What happened was the person who committed the accidental homicide would just drop everything and take off running. They'd get a head start. 
And if they could get to the gates of those cities of refuge, then they could find a haven there, a safe place, a panic room, and court would be set up, and there would be a jury trial so that if it was proved indeed to be an accidental homicide, the person was declared not guilty, and then they could return to their home. This was quite a modification that God brought. Here's what we need to understand. The idea about these cities of refuge flows right from the very heart of God himself. It is bound up in the very nature and the character of God to provide a safe place for people who are feeling the heat of oppression and the heat of being chased, the heat of unsecurity, the heat of insecurity. You see, God is a refuge and his love goes overboard for those of us who need the security of his love. So how do we find security in an uncertain world? Well, here are three things we can do or that we need to keep in mind. First, it requires a flat-out desperation for God. You see, uncertainty brings out the desperation. We become focused on what's important, the security we don't take a scenic route to the panic room with God. We need to surrender to the idea that we can fix it. Admit, I'm in trouble. I'm troubled. I need your comfort, God. Next, I need to believe in God's ability. He is your complete refuge. The psalmist says in Psalm chapter 2, verse 12, if you make a run for God, you won't regret it. Did you hear that? A run for God, desperate. In Psalm 144, 2, he says, he is my loving God and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield in whom I take refuge. Did you catch those words? Love, fortress, stronghold, deliverer, shield. That's who God is. Psalm 119, verse 14, he says, You are my refuge and my shield. Your word is my only source of hope. Our hope doesn't come from TV and toilet paper. It comes from the promises, the eternal words of God. And then in Psalm 5, 4, But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing joyfully praises forever. Protect them so all who love you, your name, will be filled with joy. You see, we need to have a belief in God's ability and rejoice in that. And when we do, it will lead us then to resting in his peace. Allow the character of God to comfort you. There's an inward connection with an outward reflection that we can share with this world, and it's called peace. There are different word pictures in the Bible, and here's one of a hen and his chicks in Psalm 91.4. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His truth is a shield and armor. The results are we will have peace. He will fill our deepest needs, and security will happen from the inside up. That's our panic room. That's our security. And there's one more word picture. And that's of a small group. What is one time in history that you would like to go back to? For me, it's, it's when Jesus would gather children and he'd sit them on his knee. That, that was a small group experience for Jesus. And I would love to be that child that would sit on Jesus' lap and have him hug me. 
Isaiah 40, verse 11, the prophet writes, Like a shepherd, he takes care of his flock. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He carries them in his arms. He gently helps the sheep and their lambs. God's hug. He wants you to experience it even in the midst of uncertain times. I am the youngest of three boys, and there were times as a young child I would be on my mom's lap for comfort and reassurance. But I didn't live on my mom's lap. I lived with the understanding of the protection, the love, the security, the joy, the refreshment that I received from the comfort of my mom. And then I returned when I needed the refuge from the storms of life. We don't live in the storm shelter or the panic room. Same with God. We receive what we need from him in his sheltering love, and then we go out to face the world, refreshed in him, going out to make disciples, going out to love, going out to be the church outside the walls of grace. I want to just remind you of Psalm 9:9. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name will trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Do you need God's hug today? He is your refuge. Pursue him with a flat-out desperation. Believe his ability and rest in his peace. We don't know what the future holds, but we do know who holds it. Be encouraged. Look for ways to be Jesus this week to an uncertain world. This may be the opportunity for some to find Jesus through your hope. God has a panic room. It's his presence. Remember the words of Jesus. He said this to his disciples. I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Friends, it's it's a great opportunity for us to know that our refuge is in God alone, that we can pursue him even in desperate times with the desperation of our emotions, with the insecurity of what we are feeling in our society, and that we can then Live in peace, knowing that God is holding us. And as we then go off the lap of God and we go out into the world, we know we go with his power. We know we go with his presence. We know we go with his spirit that is alive in us. And that is my prayer today for us as a church, as we continue to maneuver these times, these times of uncertainty, And I I put it in my uh, video email to you uh, on Friday night. And I just said, we have opportunities here to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And just like Queen Esther, when she was called upon to act in faith and take steps, she did it. And in that book, she says, for such a time as this, folks, We are here for such a time as this. And I want to encourage you to take some time and pray. Pray for our leaders, our country, this world. Pray for the researchers, the scientists. Pray for the medical personnel and professionals that are encountering this. Pray for your neighbors, your family, for the Grace family. I would also really encourage you to pray that God would unload the floodgates of heaven and our resources would not take a hit. 
Ministry and mission continues even when we don't have services here. So would you pray that God would be faithful in these times and we would see even an overabundance of what we need. President Trump has asked us today to designate this a national day of prayer. So in just a moment, Jason is going to come and, and uh, we're going to sing a song that remind, uh, reminds us of who fights our battles. This is not our battle to fight. It is our battle to have faith and walk in the Spirit of God. So I'm going to pray and I, I just want to say thank you for joining us online. We will keep you posted on uh, what next week looks like. You can expect to hear something from us uh, no later than Wednesday afternoon on what our plan is going into next weekend. But I'm confident no matter what that is, God is in that future. God is already there and God is waiting for us to move with him as we are kingdom uh, citizens of his kingdom and we are joining with him in what he's doing here and around the world. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you are our refuge. You are our hope, that we can draw hope from your word, from your presence. And God, I pray for those who are struggling right now, those who are uh, depressed, those who are lonely, those who have needs. Father, I pray that they would, with sincere desperation, reach out for you, that they would find comfort in your word, that they would find the panic room of you in your presence. Father, I pray that you would then enlighten our hearts and our eyes to see the needs around us, to understand what you're calling us to, to actually be the church in desperate times. Father, you have used men and women and boys and girls and students of God in desperate times, will you use us? Father, we pray that you would, according to your will, put an end to this virus, that we would be able to next week gather together in this place and give praise and worship to you. Father, we pray these things and we commit that we will not steal or rob your glory. All praise and glory goes to you. Father, thank you for fighting our battles. Thank you for being the one who calls us into your presence to see you be God. Father, I pray that your protection would rest on us as a church, that you would shield us from this virus, that you would shield us from the evil one who wants to destroy us. And would you give us the opportunities that you have been waiting to give us in this moment. I just pray this in the matchless, powerful name above all names. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.